0: Hello, and welcome to my podcast. In this series of lessons, we are looking at hope in the Psalms, and I believe now more than ever, we need hope. When the seen, the things of the world, are chaotic and crazy, that's when it's best to look at the unseen, and that is our eternal Father, God. So let's take a look at what the Psalms have to say in this lesson the third in the series, we're going to be looking at Psalm 46. So let's get started. Now in the last lesson, we looked at Psalm 34, which King David had written while hiding for his life. In this lesson, we will look at Psalm 46, which was written by the sons of Korah to be sung in the tabernacle. music in worship think about it which worship or praise song do you love the most and why I tend to like um, greatest thy faithfulness um, blessed assurance of the old hymns and the more recent songs I like um, who you say I am and broken vessels and some other like amazing grace those types of songs as well. What about you? Are you big into praise songs and worship songs for worship? Not everybody is, and I understand that, but in this lesson we're going to look a little bit about how songs were sung in worship in the tabernacle. As usual though, we want to make sure we keep this passage of Scripture in its proper context, and so we do that by asking the journalistic questions, who, what, where, when, why, and how. So who? Who wrote this? The sons of Korah. I think that's how you say their name, Korah. In the book of Numbers, chapter 3, we we learn that the men of Korah were proud men who challenged Moses and Aaron's priesthood. The sons of Korah were spared judgment, though we see in Numbers 26, uh, the prophet Samuel arose from the line of Korah. The Sons of Korah were considered the doorkeepers or custodians of the tabernacle. One group joined King David in various military battles and proved themselves to be fierce warriors. And during the time of David, the Sons of Korah became leaders of the chorale music, the choir music, in the tabernacle. So they, like King David, were men of war, but they were also artists at the same time. Isn't that neat? What? Well, Psalm 46 is written as a song, a song of expression, gratitude, and humility to an awesome God. Now, because they were also warriors, you're going to see some warrior-type language used in this psalm, very similar to what David used in his psalms. Where? Well, it was probably written in Jerusalem. Most biblical scholars believe that. How? It was written as a song to be sung in worship and of praise to a mighty God. Why? Well, it was written to exalt God as a refuge and a conqueror for his people. The sons of Korah were mighty warriors, but they also wanted to praise God for their victory in him. They acknowledged that they would not be victorious if it weren't for God. Now that we have this information to keep this psalm in proper context, we are now ready to see what the Sons of Korah had to say in writing this psalm. Psalm 46. God our refuge and conquer of nations. Psalm 46.1 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Notice how military terminology was used by the Sons of Kara because they had battle experience and had seen with their own eyes how God had made them victorious. We also read that in Psalm 62. David often used military terms in his writings as well. In Psalm 46, 2 through 3, we read, Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. So pause for a moment to reflect on your own life. Could you use military terms like refuge and strength and conqueror, to describe how God has saved and delivered you from your enemies? Think about it. So many times when we praise God, we don't stop to think to use this type of language that he is a mighty conqueror who has conquered our fears, our enemies, and torn down our strongholds and become that place of refuge. And maybe we should though, maybe we should use that language. This song is written in a unique style. First, a problem is described. Even if the earth, mountains and seas are destroyed. Next, results are described. God is in the midst and shall not be shaken. There's the hope. There's the hope in this psalm that we need today because sometimes in what we're going through today it feels as though the earth and mountains and seas are destroyed and that everything is falling around us. But God is in the midst and shall not be shaken. The theme of this psalm is introduced. Creation is temporary. The earth, the nations, and armies are all destroyed. But God is eternal. Worthy of being exalted above all the nations. In Psalm 46, 4 through 6, it says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her. Just at the break of dawn, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. Now, because the sons of Korah were both mighty warriors and artistically expressive, we can understand why King David allowed their songs to be sung in the tabernacle for worship. Take a moment to reflect on what that must have sounded like. The high priests entered the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices for the people, and the choir sang this beautiful psalm, exulting and praising God for all that he had done for them do you think music and worship today is essential I feel that it is it helps me come into that mental and emotional state of worship where I'm not thinking of myself I'm not thinking of what's you know happening at work or the email or the Facebook post I'm starting to let go of that and focus on God when I sing a certain song, where I hear the choir sing a certain song. How does your church service, your church worship service, utilize music? Is there just a piano and an organ, or is there a full band or choir? I find that very few churches now have a full choir anymore, but I, I really enjoy singing with the choir. Are the songs that you sing people-centered or God-centered? I participate in a chapel band at work, and when we select our songs, we pray about it and we look for lyrics that are God-centered, meaning there's very few first-person pronouns like I this and I feel that and I believe. Instead, we try and focus on the lyrics that point to God, like you, God, are amazing, our God is amazing, great is our God, that type of uh, lyrics because we want it to be focused on Him and not on us. We feel strongly that we are there to help lead worship service, not be the worship service. Our goal is to provide a break in the day, week, or month for employees to enter into worship with God. How important is it that our worship time, whether individual or corporate worship, be God-centered? I mean, He alone is worthy of our praise and adoration, right? So then, shouldn't all of our worship service be pointed to Him? Life application. So now that we know a lot about Psalm 46, how do we apply what we've learned so far? Well, if experienced military men are singing about how their God protected them and provided victory for them against other nations, shouldn't we pause and take notice of this song? For me, music is an important part of worship. I love to sing the old hymns, as well as some new worship songs. The old hymns typically have an important story about God's faithfulness, His creation, His beauty, His faithfulness during storms and difficult times, and how God's presence can be seen in creation. Like the story of It Is Well with My Soul, the story behind this hymn. You've probably heard it before, but Horatio D. Spafford was a Presbyterian layman uh, in Chicago, a very successful soul, uh, lawyer. He was a devout Christian who was close friends with Dwight L. Moody. After losing his fortune in the Chicago fire of 1871, he understood the pain and desperation of Job. He had also lost a young son soon after the financial disaster. So just think of his state of mind. But after so much suffering, he desired rest for his wife and four daughters. So he planned a trip to England to join Dwight L. Moody on his ministry in Great Britain. So even after suffering all that loss and loss of fortune and his son, he didn't curse God. He wanted to serve God. That's amazing. At the last minute, however, business in Chicago delayed him, so he sent his family ahead on the SS Ville de Havre. Ville du Havre—I don't know how to pronounce that—but <laughs> on November twenty-second, eighteen seventy-three, the ship was struck by another vessel, and it sank in twelve minutes. Mrs. Spafford survived and cabled her husband, "Saved alone. What shall I do?" After leaving to join his wife, Spafford penned the famous hymn as he approached the area of the ocean where the ship carrying his daughters had sunk. Years later, he and his wife moved to Jerusalem, and this is a very famous hymn that is sung today, where it says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So he said in good times, when peace attendeth his way, and when there's difficult times like loss, when sorrows, like sea billows roll, doesn't matter. God has taught him to say it is well. How amazing is that? So after suffering so much loss, financial loss, and the loss of his children, he was still able to praise God. Years later, after that tragedy, he and his wife moved to Jerusalem where they established an American colony engaged in philanthropic ministry to Jews, Muslims, and Christians living in that region. So this hymn, oh, and they still pay special tribute to him there. There's a plaque there uh, about his life, honoring his service there. So this hymn has special meaning To me, since I have lost, you know, my sister and my mom and aunts and uncles and grandparents within the last five years, it's been very difficult, a lot of loss. But I know that no matter what happens in life, I can rely upon God to help me remain strong. So this psalm has been one of my favorite, you know, go-to psalms when things get difficult. And I believe the sons of Korah also understood this because they had seen God be victorious for them on the battlefield. In Psalm 46, 7, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. A refuge, in military terms, is a safe place to hide from the enemy. Now, typically, kingdoms were built on hills, so they could spot the approaching armies coming from afar, but also the hills provided an escape for armies if they needed to get away from the overwhelming enemy. These warriors, the sons of Korah, like David, understood this. You can read in Psalms 9 and Psalm 14 and Psalm 31 and 57 and 59, these Psalms describe God as our refuge. Even the author of Hebrews understood that we should take heed to those who have learned that God is a place of refuge. Thus God, it says in Hebrews 6:17 17-18, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutabil- immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have led for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. So, God is our refuge. He does not change. We can trust Him and never fear. Like Horatio Spafford, we can rely on God when creation, when everything around us suffers and lives are taken from us. And we know that creation will suffer because of sin in this world. So, we must rely on God alone, not things of the world, but on God remember in Psalm 46 verse 4 it said there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High currently there is no river in Jerusalem the new Jerusalem will have the river of life flowing through it from the throne of God God will dwell in the midst of her not the temple but God himself shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. We see that in Revelations 22. The river will be a symbol of protection, that refuge and strength. Nations will rage and war will destroy. We, we've seen that and there's more war to come. War will destroy, but God is eternal. We can call upon him all the time. We see that in Psalm 145:18. In what do you put your trust? Now, nations tend to put trust in military might and leaders, and the United States is one. But the sons of Korah advised to put trust in God and God alone. In Psalm 46, verses 8 through 9, we read Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. So we see that God is very powerful. God is our refuge. He will not be moved or shaken. He is the consolation of the people. The sons of Korah command the people to come together and behold all that God has done. That's what worship should be. It's when we all come together as one to look upon God and behold all that he has done for us. That's the purpose of worship. The writers of the hymns understood this. What are the works of the Lord described in Psalm 46? They wrote, Desolations in the earth, wars will cease, God breaks the bow and spear in two, and he burns the chariots in fire. So, why would we put our trust in anything of this world, including military strength? We would be wise to put our trust in God, who constantly defeats our enemies for us. We are already victorious because of what Christ did. He defeated our greatest enemy, death. So how do we approach this holy, powerful God? In Psalm 46, 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So in other words, the psalmist is saying that God is saying, stop, be still like a dead person. Just freeze. Don't move. Cease from moving, striving, worrying, working. Just stop and know that God exists and is worthy of worship. Notice how in this psalm, the point of view changes from third person to second person, now to first person. Here in verse 10, God is speaking. So we would be wise to heed his words. In verse 11, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So we go back to describing God again. So the psalm ends the same way it began. Reminding the people that God is our refuge and he is with us. There is no reason for us to fear the enemy that surrounds us. And right now that enemy is death. God alone should be exalted above all the nations. And we see that in Numbers 14 and 2nd Chronicles 13 and Isaiah 2, God is our refuge, a safe place of protection. So then why do we fear? Do we really believe that God is our refuge? The sons of Korah used military terms for a reason. They used terms like refuge, tower, strength, because they knew God and wanted the people to remember these attributes. While they sang and worshiped him in the tabernacle, they saw the presence of God go before them in battle and slay the enemy. They were more than cognizant that it was God who was victorious, not them. So that's how we need to come into worship at church. We need to come into worship bowing our heads, fully acknowledging that God is the victor. We are alive only because of what God has done. Remember, if the offerings were perfect and the high priest didn't make any errors in the tabernacle, then God's presence could be seen. So we want God's presence to be there. And so, does your church honor God with its praise and song selection? Do we we can see in Psalm 46 that God-focused lyrics to worship songs is essential for proper worship. Even if your church song selections don't focus on God, you can still focus on Him. You can listen to and sing songs that are God-centered. We can see how powerful worship songs can be. Psalm 46 is a worship song. Songs should constantly remind us of the mighty power and strength of God when everything around us fails. So don't put all your trust in a person like the president or the governor or the mayor or the pastor or your husband, it's not fair to do that to them because they're only human beings just like you are. They are going to fail and make mistakes just like you do. But if you keep your focus and you lift up God and exalt God, then you will never be disappointed because God is eternal, he never changes, and he's perfect. We would be wise to learn from the writers of these beautiful songs and exalt the name of our God. Why? Because He alone is worthy of our adoration and praise. No person on earth is worthy of that. So take some time today, and definitely this Sunday when you go to church, or if you're doing it um, online, take some time today to sing your praise to the Lord. Right? and sing some of your most favorite songs, and focus on the lyrics, and remember who God is. You are alive and victorious because of Him. He is your refuge, your tower, and your strength. He is there in the midst of the storm when everything around you is crumbling down. God is in the midst. Isn't that amazing? That's so encouraging, and that's the hope that is found in Psalm 46. Thank you so much for joining me today in this lesson of Hope in the Psalms. And I pray that you've been encouraged and that you will go forth and share what you've learned with others. Because the world right now needs this hope, this message of hope that is found in Psalm 46. And until next time, God bless.